0: Well, good morning and uh, it's it's great to uh, get to be here and uh, get to share this message here this morning looking forward to some things and I'm gonna go ahead and want get sort of the one of the main points right out the bat right so I'll share with you one of my takeaways and it might just be the understatement of the day and that is the world rarely works the way you think it does right or at least the way we think it should In fact, if the world doesn't work the way you think it does, and God created the world, maybe God doesn't work the way you think he does, or the way you think he should. I mean, if you're like me, there's probably been times in your life where you expect one thing to happen, and something completely different happens, right? Now, maybe that something is awesome, right, and amazing, and your life has changed for the better. Maybe that's something, though, isn't. Maybe it's something that's painful or a deep loss. You believe things would work out one way, and they worked out completely different. Where was God in all of that? But maybe God works in ways that, on the surface, just doesn't make sense. Maybe God works in different ways. In fact, God, we're not called to a surface relationship with God, right? We're called to a deeper relationship with God. We're called to a deeper understanding. And I think that the parable I'm going to talk to you today about does just that, right? That this parable actually calls us to a deeper understanding of our world, and by having a deeper understanding of our world, we can actually gain a deeper understanding of Him. And so that's sort of my takeaway right off the bat. And you have that there so you can all go home now, right? Just kidding. Go home yet? Yeah? I'm really excited about this series. You know, when Jason came in with this idea of parables from the people, getting different folks together to sort of share these messages, right away I was like, yes, definitely I'm all in, right? Great idea, thank you. Now, what are the parables of Jesus again? Right. So I had to do a little Google, because that's what you do when you don't remember something. Right. Google, right? What are the parables of Jesus? Right? And get the whole list of all of them. Because, you know, you remember some, but there's a lot there that you don't remember. Right. You know, looking through the list, and I see, oh yeah, there's the Samaritan, you know, and there's the sower guy, excellent. You know, There's the prodigal son, I love that one, that's awesome. I'm going through the list and I see the mustard seed. I remember that one. Right? I remember that one—a seed tree, something about the kingdom. Right? Look at the numbers there. Two verses. Awesome. Right? You see it right up there. We can do this real quick. Right? We can do that real quick, easy peasy. Right? Actually, you know, I was drawn to this parable of the mustard seed for a little bit of a different reason. Right? After all, this is a parable that we'll see that Jesus tells equating the kingdom of God to a seed becoming a tree, right? A seed becoming a tree and becoming home to all these birds. And, you know, I'm a biologist by training, right? So this is right in my wheelhouse thinking about a plant and birds. And so I thought I'd take this one and get to share and think about it a little bit with you. And so why don't we take a look at the parable here. You know, I'm sharing the the version that's told in Matthew 13, 30 through 32. Really short, right? Two sentences. The kingdom of heaven... Is like a mustard seed, Jesus says, that someone took and sowed in this field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. The kingdom of God is a seed becoming a great tree, right? from a small beginning to a giant completion, right? from something so Small and seemingly insignificant, right, to something so great. This vast structure, so great that it provides refuge to those that come seeking it. Right? This is how Jesus describes the kingdom of God. Right? I mean, really, what more can I say? It's mean, sort of like a great underdog story, right? It's tiny little seed that beats all the odds. Everything standing against it grows into this giant thing, and the power of it is able to help those that are smaller than it. Right? That's a pretty remarkable thing in and of itself, just simply there at the surface. And I think we could stop there. right? We could take that surface understanding, and we'd have a lot a better understanding of what the kingdom of God is like. But I don't want to just do that today. Right? I want to think a little bit more about this whole idea of a seed becoming a tree. After all, I am completely comfortable with the fact that Jesus knew exactly how this works when he said it, because he was Jesus, right? He knows how a seed becomes a tree and what it means for the people that know and understand. So we're going to think about that a little bit this morning, right? I want to think about how does a tiny little seed become a tree, right? I mean, this is something that's really a basic, fundamental process in our world. I mean, if we think about it, right, almost all of our food requires that from a little seed turns into something bigger. Right? Turns into a tree or a giant shrub. Right? This cotton shirt, right? Required that a seed became a shrub. Right? Our homes, our furniture requires that a little seed becomes into something bigger, into a giant tree. Right? All these things that we take for granted in our life that we require for life itself relies on this very simple process of this tiny little seed becoming a big, giant tree. But we have to stop and ask ourselves, where does all that stuff come from? And when we start with a tiny little thing that weighs less than a gram, and we get a gigantic tree. Where does all of that stuff come from? I want to think about that, right? And it's, one, again, one of these basic questions, right? And we can think about, you know, what are their options, right? Where could the stuff that is a tree, the matter, the substance, where could that have come from, right? When we think about our mustard tree there, okay, well, one option would be the sun, right? We know sun's important. Another option is water. We know water's important. Soil, right, we see that there in the picture. And you know, if I look at the picture, I guess the only thing that we're missing would be air, right? So that's, I think, everything could be there in the picture. Right? So you get Professor Hinkle for the day, you don't know, Kelly can tell you, when Professor Hinkle's talking, there's going to be a pop quiz. Right? I mean, this is a pretty basic un- fundamental concept of how our world works, so you probably have an answer to it, right? You probably have something. You know, so think of your answer in your head, right? I'm going to give you a minute. Tell your neighbor what your answer is. You know where it is, right? Tell your neighbor what the answer is. Right? I should hear whispering. Right? Tell them, what's the answer. Everybody hear an answer from somebody? Give an answer to somebody? Hopefully there, right? So just, we'll pull the audience, right? Because I wanna sort of get a, an idea. But I'm not gonna ask you what you think, I'm gonna ask you what your neighbor told you, right? So this isn't actually your thoughts, these are your neighbor's thoughts. So how many people had a neighbor turn and say the sun? All right, there we go, right? couple people there. How many people had a neighbor turn to them and say water? All right, so either the word not there yet. How many people had a neighbor turn and tell them the soil? How many people had a neighbor turn and say the air? All right, now no one's raised their hands, right? No, 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 nobody wants to tell me what your neighbor said? Come on. What you'll also find out about Professor Henkel, he's a very patient person, right? So we'll try this again. How many people said the sun? How did a neighbor say the sun? The water, there we go, okay. I'm not leaving until we get some hands up, so you better at least get us moving. The soil, the ground, all we got some ground there. The air. You're really trying my patience, right? You have your answer in the back of your head whether you wanted to raise your hand or not. So we know, right, one of the basic fundamental ideas, where does that stuff go? Well, it turns out that we know where that stuff comes from. We know where the substance comes from. It comes from the air. It comes from the air that a seed, when it sprouts, right, grows up, and it is able to pull carbon out of the atmosphere and use it to build up itself, to get bigger and larger. That's where that stuff comes from. What I like about this parable, when I started thinking about a seed becoming a tree, I immediately turn back to my teaching of biology. Because I know something about this very simple question. Right? That I actually spent a lot of time trying to teach this idea. Right? This idea of where does that matter, where does that stuff that is a tree, where does it come from? And I know, because I've taught hundreds of students, that in the moment I can teach them this, and they'll get it, right? They'll pass the first test. But I also know that months later, if I ask them them again, they go back to something else, like the soil, or the sun, or water, that they don't go back to the Earth. In fact, it's not just my students. We ask students all across the country. We ask biology graduates from Harvard and MIT and from Oxford this very simple question, and we get it wrong. Even after studying it and trying to understand it, we still don't get it right. And I think one of the reasons for that is it sort of pushes against one of our sort of fundamental ideas of how the world works, right? I mean, it's hard for us to wrap our heads around this idea that seemingly nothing, the air around us, can be turned into this gigantic tree, this solid structure. It pushes against how we understand the world to work. And that's a hard thing to change. It's a hard thing to change. And Maybe you can see the parallels between that and our relationship with God. I mean, if you think about it, how often do we hear the good news? Right? Maybe you've even seen God in your life. Right? And for a moment, you may have even been enlightened. But we get back to our way of life, back to our ways of thinking. We get buried by the burdens and the desires of our world. And we start to revert back to that surface way of thinking, right? to that our surface understanding. But if we take the time to study, to put in the effort, and this is what I think is a critical part, to repeatedly and regularly practice, right? put into practice what we know to be true, to use that information to do something with it, then can we change our understanding. Right? Then can we actually go deeper in what we know. And I think when we do that, we not only go deeper in what we understand the world, we can go deeper into our understanding of God. And so I want to do that here with you this morning, right? Because we can use what we understand and how we understand the world to work to understand God a little bit work better. Right? When we know that all of those four things are really important to trees, right? All those things are really important. In order to go from a seed to a tree, we know we need sunlight. We need water. We need soil and air, right? And so we can use these, right? We can make some analogies. I mean, Jesus said that the kingdom of God growing, if we want to grow the kingdom, then we need to understand how does a seed become a tree. We know that it requires sun, that this is a solar-powered process, right? that the energy for all this to happen happens through the sun. So if we want to grow the kingdom, we should be drawing our energy from the exact same thing, sort of. We should be drawing our energy from the sun, right? from Jesus, right? and draw our energy there. In fact, the next one, water, is sort of just as easy to make an analogy, too. Right? We can think about the importance of water in our growth of the kingdom, right? We know water is extremely important. We see lots of great analogies that we can make, right? Whether we think about the power of baptism, right, and the renewing of a life there in Jesus through that step. We can think about the importance of water and just gathering around a well with a stranger and talking about a story. In fact, in that story of the Samaritan woman as Jesus talked to her, We see Jesus talks not just about water from the well, but he says that he can give her something even better than that. He can give her living water. Living water. And so we can double down on Jesus here. We can double down on Jesus. We know that we need, well, we need the sun. We need that living water if we're going to grow the kingdom. So, soil. Now we need to do something with that, right? With soil. In fact, if I was to ask most of you, you know, sometimes that's sort of an answer we come to. We think that a lot comes from the soil. And it turns out soil is extremely important, right? Yes, it's not the stuff that's inside the tree, but it is important. The soil provides the nutrients and the vitamins and those added parts that are required in order to grow the tree. Right? So we need something to nourish that tree, right? to nourish the kingdom, to allow it to grow. And when I was thinking about that idea of nourishing the kingdom, what I came to and what I was thinking about was you and I. That our relationships and our actions are actually what nourishes and provides those nutrients in order for growing our kingdom. And so you and I have a role there, how we act and how we engage with one another. And lastly there, I guess we've got to figure something out with air. Right? After all, air, as it turns out, is the stuff. Right? The substance for that tree comes out of the air. So what can we equate that to? And as I was thinking about you know, what lives in the air, what could possibly fill this part of the analogy? Right? As I was saying this, I sort of realized what lives in the air are the words coming from my lips that you're hearing right now. When I think about what gets spread through the air, what is the substance that we want to build the kingdom worth, with? It's just that. It's the word. Right? That the word of God, right? that is our foundation. That is our substance. Right. That is the building blocks that we're going to piece together to go from just our stories of what we've experienced to building a giant kingdom full of branches large enough to Provide shelter to trees. I think Jesus knew exactly what he was doing when he equated the kingdom of God to a seed becoming a giant tree. I think we get to see the importance of different things in that growing of the kingdom. I mean, we can see the importance of sunlight, of water, of nutrients, of air. All of these things are required in order to grow a tree. But I think that we don't even have to stop just there. Because when we think about those things, when we think about sunlight and water and nutrients and air, all of those things are, of course, not alive. Those are all non living things. Now, we call trees producers for a reason, right? We call plants primary producers. You go to the produce section to get vegetables, right? We know we call them producers for a reason reason we call them producers is because they produce living matter. We call them producers because they take non-living stuff and turn it into living tissue. Jesus equates the kingdom of God to a tree because the kingdom of God takes what's not living and creates life takes things that are seemingly worthless, unimportant, forgotten, unusable, and turns it into new life. That is the power of the kingdom of God, to transform what is not alive to what is alive. How awesome is that? It's really a simple story, right? Two sentences but I think we can find some heavenly truths in there. I think we see some very uh, interesting things. To me, it underscores you know, just this simple idea that, you know what, God is a little bit hard to understand sometimes. You know, it doesn't always make sense. It requires a little bit of effort on our part. We can see the, uh, the amazing power his kingdom has. Right? His kingdom that can take the lifeless and turn it into the living. In fact, maybe it's why this parable actually shows up in three different books, right? We don't just find it in Matthew. You can find it told again in Mark and shows up in Luke as well. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, right? starts as this small thing and grows into something so great, the greatest of trees. Right? So great that the birds of the air come and make nests in the branches. Oh. I haven't even gotten to the birds, have I? The birds. Right? The birds. Right? We shouldn't forget about the birds. Right? I mean, the kingdom of heaven is so great that it provides shelter for those that come seeking refuge in there. Right? To build a nest. Right? And of course, a bird builds a nest in order to raise a family. Right? How awesome is that? Right? What the kingdom of God has to offer us. Birds, But as a biologist, we can think about those birds a little bit more, too. Because I think we often sort of stop there in this parable, right? Because it ends and we say, okay, look at all the great things the kingdom of God provides for the birds. It's providing something, right? A shelter and a refuge. There's this promise of peace and rest amongst its branches. And that's true, right? And we should take comfort in that right? That's pretty awesome. But again, I think we can go a little bit deeper again when we try to understand what these birds do there. Because if we think about the birds that live in this particular mustard tree, this mustard tree, like most trees, produces fruit. And of course, the birds come and live amongst those branches, and they don't just build nests, but they also eat the fruit. They eat the fruit and the seed, but they don't just stay in that place either, right? These birds that come in and they visit this kingdom tree and they eat the fruit and seeds, they carry that out to other places. They take that mustard seed, that fruit, and they take it and they drop it off in new places. In fact, this tree requires that that happens. What we're actually being called to and what we actually see is that it's not just that we get to come sit and rest but that we actually have a part to play in the kingdom's story. That we actually have a role that as we rest and create our nests, that we go out and we take that seed to new places. I mean, isn't that what we're called to do? Jesus, right? as Jason likes to share, you know, we're here for a reason because someone went and spread that message shared their words of their experiences, right? passed through the air from one person to another. We got to write it down, and we have that word here with us today. Right? The story of our, that living water and the promise of our son, God's son in heaven. But we don't just get to sit, rest, and eat. We have to go out and share that fruit and take it to new places. When we go deeper, I think we're called to so much more than what we see on the surface. Now, I think it's one really reason why I love the theme for this year, right? The theme to move beyond what's just on the surface, to explore the depths of our relationships with God, to each other, and the world around us. I think in doing so, we can see that two simple lines about a seed and a tree and some birds can reveal so much more about our relationship with God. I think we can see that the power of God, the power to take non-living and create life, and the renewal that comes with that. I think we can find comfort in the promise that as we seek out the kingdom, we can find refuge and find rest. But we also should be pushed beyond finding rest. We should be pushed to go out and take that seed, to new places, so that there, too, that seed can become a mighty tree, that that tree can continue to turn what is not alive into what is alive.